You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the business and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we're going to talk to Dr. Cara Wright about mentoring new vets. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you in 2023 by Care Credit. Dr. Wright is a 2009 graduate of the Virginia-Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine. Prior to veterinary school, she completed a master's degree at Louisiana State University, where she studied the reproductive characteristics of high-body condition mares. She completed an internship in Ocala, Florida, then ran a successful equine veterinary relief business at several private practices across the country. Dr. Wright is a founding member of the Sustainability and Equine Practice Seminars, which focus on improving the well-being and productivity of equine veterinarians. She also is a facilitator in the Decade One and Starting Gate programs for equine vets and students. Dr. Wright joined the professional services team at Merck Animal Health in the summer of 2022. And for those uh, organizations that we mentioned, we will make sure and put links to them on the article that goes along with this podcast on equimanagement.com. Welcome, Dr. Wright. Good morning, Kim. Thank you for having me. We are so thrilled to have you here with your background and experience. Um, I'm just going to jump right in here because we know that the entire veterinary industry, but especially equine practices, are struggling to attract and retain young veterinarians. So let's assume you manage to attract and hire a young equine vet. Can you give us some tips on mentoring a young practitioner? Yeah, so thanks for asking that question. This is going to be a really big topic, and it is going to be very uh, practice and personal to you know each practice and each doctor and, and how that would work. Um, but I guess my number one tip for everybody who is going to hire a newer grad um, to their practice and is offering mentoring, which, uh, you know, we see that in a lot of job ads, right? It's like, you know, we have a gastroscope, we have an x-ray, we have this, we provide mentoring. But I think the the really big question is what does that mean to the practice? And what does that mean to the doctor? Because um, unfortunately, and I think especially many of my peers in this industry, we can say that those don't always match up. So um, the number one key is communicating what does mentorship mean to both parties? Because if you're not on the same page, it's not going to be a successful relationship because someone on each side is likely going to be disappointed. Um, so communicating what that means is the first step. I think, um, you know, mentorship to someone might be just knowing they can call a, a more experienced doctor and ask for advice when they're on the way to a, a case, whereas mentorship to someone else might be sitting down and you know, looking at all these x-rays that you've done for the repository and talking about how you're actually going to talk to the clients or even practice management, right? Like that's another really big aspect of being a veterinarian that I think more associates need to understand. And as a person offering mentorship at a practice, that can be a really good way to help your employees understand how the business runs. Um, I do think there is a little bit of a mismatch these days in expectations of salary and work-life balance and hours 
um, and emergency duty with the jobs that are out there. And I, I think everything is getting closer. But um, I do think that ensuring everybody understands how a practice runs and how doctors get paid can go a long way for balancing expectations of the job. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget-friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. <laughs> no, and that's that's good. So I know that that you do a lot of mentoring with different young people in the industry just through the various uh, organizations we had mentioned. What is important to a young veterinarian today? What can you enlighten people who are trying to hire? You know, I think the answer is almost the same, right? Is if you're going to offer mentorship is to have that conversation about what that means so that that newer graduate or new doctor to your practice can build their skill set and build their confidence more quickly to then become a production member of that practice. Um, and, you know, again, so individual, right? Like there, there are people that I talk to that you know, they feel really uncomfortable with certain types of cases because they haven't seen them. So that's a really good conversation. You know, if you're hiring someone and you think that they, you know, I'll just use this as an example, a castration, right? A very common procedure, but it can be difficult and it can be stressful. So having that conversation about where your skill set is in order to jump in can be really good. Um, one of my major takeaways from some of the mentoring I've done and the programs I've been involved with is that providing structure to your mentorship relationship is really, really important. Um, and that structure, again, it's going to look totally different for every relationship, but having something that has scheduled check-ins, that has scheduled um, time to talk about achievements or accomplishments or things that might be falling by the wayside, um, I think is really, really important. Um, you know, at one of the practices that I was at when we hired a new graduate, um, we had, we had, it was a learning curve for everybody. Um, but we ended up making a chart that basically listed all of the things that we wanted our doctors to be comfortable and confident in doing divided by topic. So I think we did it by systems, right? So like colic, laceration, eyes, lameness. Um, we actually put in soft skills because some of that is really important. Um, so one of the things we had on there was, you know, speak professionally with a farrier about the changes that you want to make. Um, we did adapt our skills list from the AAEP core competencies guide, which is available online. Um, and I will put in a side note, there's an internship committee that is working really hard to provide a lot of structure for AAP members um, for internship programs that I think could also work for people who are hiring new graduates as associates, taking some of those um, structured ideas to kind of create this relationship can be really helpful. So I know that they are um, working really hard on that and there may be a new um, list coming out, um, but kind of a little digression there. But anyway, we had our skills list and then we did monthly check-ins where we sat down and we talked about it. We said, hey, how are you feeling about this? 
you know, and, and that's a really good time to learn if your new hire is feeling great about something. Or more importantly, if you think they're great at something and they don't, to be able to talk about why there is that disconnect. Um, and so, again, it all goes back to communication and just managing those expectations. Um, the other thing that we did when we had a mismatch on a skill, you know, let's say I thought she was fantastic at something and she didn't feel super confident in it. We then sat there and decided how we were going to get her to where she needed to be. So, whether that was, you know, we're doing all the soundness exams next week, like make sure you're scheduled to be there to practice this or that. Um, so putting in some proactive work to find the cases and opportunities to get that experience is really important. That's a great idea. I mean, what a, what better way to say, okay, I'm especially the, to, to learn where they feel like they are based on what you're observing in them. Because I know a lot of young vets think, oh, I haven't had enough skills to do a lameness mm -hmm. exam or a castration by myself. And you've seen them and they're like, yeah, you got it. Yeah. And I think, you know, something, and this is something I've talked to a lot of my peers about. Um, I think that as leaders in the practice or as that mentor, I think it's also really important to be honest when something is tricky for you or something didn't go exactly how you planned um, and be honest about mistakes that maybe you've made in the past, because I think that that creates a safe space to be able to to feel okay about saying, hey, I don't feel good about this. Or it tells that doctor that it's okay to say, hey, I approached this case this way and this happened. I need help. Um, and, and so again, I think that's just really important to be able to, to have that conversation in a non-judgment zone. So what kind of suggestions can you give when you get a new vet? It's always a little stiff or, or difficult to to onboard them with staff and clients. What kind of tips can you give us yeah. for that? It can be tricky, you know, especially a new graduate coming out of a vet school. They are thrust into a private practice where as a doctor, on one hand, you're automatically a leader because you're a doctor. But then on another hand, you are a brand new employee who doesn't actually know where the centrifuge is and how to send blood work out. Um, and sometimes they're, you know, again, a little bit of a mismatch with staff that knows what's going on and rightfully probably knows a lot more about certain things about how the practice runs than the doctor. So I think it's really important to set the expectation that, you know, this is Dr. So-and-so, they're joining the practice, they have a strong background from, you know, whatever university and their interests are this. Refer to them as a doctor, um, especially in front of clients, I think is really, really important. Um, even if that's not your practice style and you go by first name, I do think that that first introduction is really important because you don't want a newer graduate to fall into the role of technician or vet student observer. Um, and another way to do that is just to, to be clear about your job descriptions, right? Like if your technicians know what their jobs are, then that veterinarian is not going to be, you know, distracted scrubbing a joint when they should be taking the x-rays on another horse, you know, for example. So just being really clear with everybody about the doctor's new the new doctor's role in the practice can be very helpful. 
That's great. Um, and I know one of the big things in all the surveys has said, oh, my gosh, equine emergencies. But, I mean, that's just a part of equine practice. So how do you yeah. work with new graduates to help them? Under, and I know some of them just love it. They would love to do yeah. just emergency practice once they get a little more experience. But yeah. how do you get them into the role and the model, especially if maybe they're not quite as confident on some things? Well, so first things first, good news for people who love emergency. There's a lot of practices out there that are experimenting with different ways of having just emergency doctors and covering for other practices. Um, so that's something super exciting that's changing in our industry is a little bit of a, you know, a paradigm shift of how we provide coverage. But you're right. Equine emergencies are a thing that we all have to deal with. Um and I think as far as getting your new graduate comfortable with that, it's really important not to hire them and then go on vacation for a month because you've worked, you know, for 10 years straight. Give them a chance to at least figure out where things are in the truck and meet your good or not good, your most common clients and, you know, make sure they can feel OK with the basic emergencies they'll probably see. Um, and, you know, not everybody is going to need as much support, but if they know where to get it, that can go a long way. If they know that they can call either you or another associate at the practice while they're on the way to something and just kind of talk about what they're going to do, that can go a really long way. Um, so we did at our practice a graduated emergency schedule where at first, you know, I went with a new graduate and we worked it up together. And then, you know, over time, as she became more comfortable, then it was, uh, you know, call me if you need me. And then, you know, of course, we all have relationships with our colleagues where we still call them when we need them, because there's always going to be something that you're second guessing or slightly confused about. Um, so I think just ensuring that they don't feel abandoned and they have uh, have someone to call or text if they need it, because sometimes you know, a lot of the time they don't actually need it. They just think they do. So why not give that support and get them over the hump? Oh, that's that's a really good point. So how do you and, and you mentioned this earlier and I want to come back to this. How should practices model their work life balance and, and what they think is important to these young veterinarians? Because face it, some of the older vets. They got where they were because they worked, you know, 150 hours a week and never took off and are divorced yeah. three times and never see their kids or grandkids. And Yes. So, again, kind of super tricky because we're all sort of learning how to do this in, you know, how to do this life in a little bit more of a sustainable fashion. Um, but I think just, you know, don't say our practice has good work-life balance and then be the person who still sees cases seven days a week and answers your phone all the time. Because then what is going to happen is that even if you tell your other doctors that they don't have to do that, they're not going to feel that they are allowed to not do that. Right. So I think it's just really important to decide what your practice is going to look like and stick to that model. Um, I think and this is something that I feel that I've made mistakes on in the past is also being really cognizant of how you speak about cases or clients when you are frustrated and tired and annoyed. Um, you know, we all have our days when things are really tough, but I think that trying to speak about things in a respectable manner 
when you are modeling behaviors for a newer doctor can go a really long way in changing their perspective on practice. Um, and I think we we all get tired and, and overwhelmed and stressed, but there's a way to there's a way to have that be without saying, oh, my God, I hate this job or this client sucks. I don't want to go there like that. It's so hard, right, when you're struggling with it, but modeling that can then kind of put that seed in your newer graduate. And and we don't want that, right? Like, this is a great profession. And right now is a really exciting time because people are people are changing how they're doing it and they're making the profession fit how they want to, you know, how they want to be. So I think being really cognizant of keeping positive, even when it's negative, you can still not be a total Debbie Downer, right? (laughs) And is there any other tips that you might offer if you're going to be mentoring a new graduate veterinarian in your practice? Yeah, so again, communication. And I think figuring out that person's personality type. There are going to be some people who come in and they're like, put me in coach, I got this. And they're going to be, you know, hands in, all in, no questions. And then there's going to be other people who are going to be a little bit more reserved. So I think understanding where this person is going to be coming from is going to be helpful. And if you have someone who needs a little more support, it's great to do maybe a graduated appointment schedule where, you know, after a month or two or whatever, they start seeing harder cases on their own and just giving them that time to develop those skills because taking the time to help people get where they need to be will go a lot further in the long run, um, you know, than kind of kicking them out the door and wishing them good luck. Well, those are all great tips. And we really appreciate you uh, coming to be on the podcast today, Dr. Wright. And we want to thank our audience for joining us today on the Business of Practice. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit. And we invite you to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network to hear all of the episodes of the Business of Practice. And if you have any questions or suggestions, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. 